0: I find that that I get to think deeper on things when I can distract myself from those things sometimes, right? Like you go, and especially when you're experiencing something totally novel, something totally new, and you're out in the world seeing how it's done in Oaxaca, Mexico, or something like that. Podcast
1: Junkies episode 200. It is episode 200, amazing. I started this journey in April of 2014, and we are closing in on 2019, and it's been an amazing ride, folks. It's taken a while to get this last episode out. I've been doing a lot of traveling. Uh, I was at a couple of uh, masterminds for groups that I'm in, and then next week headed off to Podcast Movement. So it's been a crazy couple of weeks thanks for for bearing with me folks and thanks to everyone who's been on the journey thanks to everyone who's been listening from day one all the people that supported me in the launch of my show too many to name i just um want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and i want to thank all 200 conversations that i've had i think there were a couple of solo ones sprinkled in there but everyone that that i've had the pleasure and honor of speaking to and whose stories I've been able to share on this show. I don't take that lightly, and I'm looking forward to the next 200. If you're new to this show, then it's a little bit of a tradition that I've started. The first guest was Chase Reeves. He was one of the first people I saw speak at New Media Expo in 2014. And I thought it was so interesting, this idea of telling the Stories of the people behind the microphone. And thankfully, following that conference, I was able to make it home, registered podcastjunkies.com, and I was off and running. And he was the first person I thought of. And for anyone who's been doing a show, getting those first few people on your show means so much. It's so nerve wracking because nobody knows you from a hole in the wall. And there's so many stories of folks that start shows and then they pod fade. And then, you know, you just wonder, you know, you're as everyone's time is valuable and and I certainly recognize that. And so him taking the chance on me because of a comment I made during the talk um, turned out to be the beginning of a a long uh, friendship. We don't get to chat as much (laughs) in between these episodes, but because he was one when I was approaching episode 100, I just thought it was cool uh, to invite him back on and if you've listened to those two, you know exactly what you're going to get when you have a conversation with Chase Reeves. He's a barrel of energy. His enthusiasm is off the charts. Um, so there's really n- nothing to introduce. We just jump straight into the conversation for episode 200. It's a wild ride. Thanks again for coming along this journey. We have another sponsor back who's been here before, and it's focus Focusrite. The third generation line is now available. As if their 2G versions weren't enough, the Focusrite team now gets even better. And it's safe to say that it boasts two of the best performing mic preamps the Scarlett Range has ever seen. There's now an air button, which is super cool. It's going to give your mic a brighter and more open sound. And they've added a quick start tool to get you up and running super fast. The bundled software now includes Ableton Live Lite, Avid Pro Tools Creative Pack, Softube's Time and Tone Bundle, and that includes three world-class reverb, delay, and distortion plugins. All of it included. In other words, guys, the best just got better. You've heard me talk about this preamp, the Scarlett 2i2 Focusrite, which I raved about in the past and they've just improved it. So it's my number one recommendation for when you're ready to move directly from plugging the mic directly into your laptop and then want to add some control over the gain and specifically the headphone monitoring as well, which is really important. So Scarlett 2i2, check it out. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. So let's jump into this wide, wide wide-ranging conversation, a little bit longer than usual. So it's something I'm trying differently. I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan's three-hour marathons. And while this is nowhere near that, I think it's just enough space to allow the conversation to flow, which it definitely does. Enjoy.
0: All right, bro. What are we getting into today?
1: whatever you want to talk about that's this this is the one episode where there's like nothing on the agenda and it's uh, just a check-in and it's um it's now um do you call it tradition so yeah, was, but, yeah. We're kind of close because I'm at 197 or 198, and I'm like, man, we keep rescheduling. Like,
0: <laughs> no, I know, I felt bad about that. I'm glad uh, I'm glad this worked out. My wife was actually gone this morning, which is why I was late. I was waiting for her to get here with the kids so I could okay. pop down. But yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to reschedule this guy again.
1: <laughs> so, um, or, yeah, you're in, in an unfinished basement, apparently.
0: Yeah, I am. It's, uh, it, it's, this is where I film on my YouTube videos. Uh, this is like, uh, like I don't know. I, we moved down to San Diego. We're living with another family. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. You're not in Portland yeah. anymore? No, we're not in Portland. Oh, we did shit. a year of travel. Okay. And then we, uh, and I have a nine-year-old and a two-year-old daughter, a nine-year-old son yep. and a two-year-old daughter. And so we were traveling around. We were loving it. One of the things that we've been really interested in is, is this idea of kind of more of a communal way of living. Right, without mm, being full like commune. Yeah, I don't have much of a problem with commune as long as I get my own space and the meals are pretty good. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's not a bunch of freeloaders. I guess I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm fine with a bunch of freeloaders. I, I, maybe they're not freeloaders. Maybe they're just having a hard <laughs> fucking year or something. I don't know. Right. Well, there's so got to be we're... rules,
1: right? These, uh, rules of the road. If you join and like you gotta,
0: you gotta like carry your own weight or something like that. It's there's there's been so many experiments throughout the ages on this kind of thing, yeah. and I think right now our modern if you want to see the theme of my life right now is 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 just like in what ways are is our modern life not setting us up very well for for you know capital L life like a real mm-hmm. life and and. Yeah. And one guy, I've, like, one guy I've been listening to a lot right now, not listening to a lot, I just listened to him once on London Real. Let's see, what his, na- what his name is? I got a video of him. Oh, right yeah.
1: Sorry, post, you saw your post, you sort of tweeted something about him. I was oh, going to look yeah, him up dude. too.
0: <laughs> Steven Jenkinson, just this old dude. I'm like, oh, well, I just found my hero. So and he's like, I'm like, I just like the way he looks. I like, he's old. He's he spent the last, he's spent the last, I don't know how many years, 20 years or something like that, just helping people face their own death right? Mm. Terminal stuff, he's like he's done it a lot with kids who have terminal diseases and been there with the families and and really helped the families cope with the fact that that, that this death is happening, yeah. um, and and to really rearrange their mind about it, right? Uh, I know, it might sound really bleak to be talking about death, <laughs> but I do find that the one thing for sure that is going to happen in our lives that is like, is your death, yeah. <laughs> right? They used to say the only two things that are certain in life are death and taxes, right?
2: Yeah.
0: And it feels like, you know, that's a, that's a common grandpa thing to say. Uh, because grandpas have been alive for a while. and <laughs> They know stuff. <laughs> when you're alive for a while, you start to realize there's this thing coming you know there's this light at the end of the tunnel where it's like it might be a train coming straight for you <laughs> <laughs> right so i don't know one of the things that that i'm i'm interested in is is in what ways is our modern culture setting us up poorly or well for uh for life with a capital l like what is what is life i Mm -hmm. i think you know that's a more interesting question to me than like what what who is god or what what religion is the right religion or what is spirituality i'm way i just find that there's so much life in the word life for me that i'm like okay vitality life this is what i want in my life i want to feel that kind of stuff and it's the craziest irony that you actually experience and get a grasp on it so much more competently the closer you get to to death uh, to to accepting your own death maybe or or just the concept of death at all the death of the 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 realization that everything comes to an end right which is basically that's just hardcore buddhism Hardcore, like the 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 essential bit of Buddhism is like nothing stays the same forever.
1: The impermanence of all things. In,
0: impermanence, right? Yeah. Impermanence, and I was, you know, a, a an armchair Buddhist for a while. I still am, um, and I don't know. So to me, this exploration of living in community is <laughs> not an exploration of death. <laughs> it's it's an exploration of life, um, and. And we're just, after a year of travel, we were like, let's try this out. And so we had some mm. friends that were up for it. They didn't have anything else going on. We found a good place in, uh, in San Diego, in Ocean Beach, and a, a kind of a miraculous little spot because it's, it's a big house with a big yard and we have five kids and, and these kids just run around all over the grounds here and it feels crazy. I love it. It feels so good wow. um, to be right down by the beach and getting that.
1: What was the impetus for the, the year of travel?
0: my wife was a she was a real estate agent for forever we couldn't travel Mm. we couldn't even though i was working at fizzle and i could we could do my job anywhere um we would take maybe maybe a month off if we if we planned her schedule well and we would go down to mexico with corbett my business partner and we would we would work down there but mostly just live and relax and vacation and um we wanted to do that more. She wanted to see. She wanted to travel more. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm fine with with wherever. I'm I'm good. I like to I like to have a you know a, a damp, dark basement <laughs> where I can watch YouTube videos and masturbate and and rate backpacks and, and and then review backpacks and you know and and products and figure out what the hell I want to be when I grow up. You know, so I can do that from anywhere. And I find that the travel can be a bit of a distraction, which is cool because. I find that that I get to think deeper on things when I can distract myself from those things sometimes. Right? Like you go, and especially when you're experiencing something totally novel, something totally new, and you're out in the world, seeing how it's done in Oaxaca, Mexico, Mm. or something like that. And you're, you're getting used to some of the regional flair and the indigenous culture there. And, and you haven't been thinking about the YouTube search algorithm for a long time. You haven't been thinking about what other brands or you want to work with or what what would be the right thing for your YouTube channel or your email list or whether or not you're doing a great job integrating all your digital channels or yada. You know, you've just been loving this tamale, right? And (laughs) sipping on some mezcal and just seeing the the way that this lady who you literally can barely communicate with because your Spanish is very poor and she has zero English, but all the deep wrinkles on her face and the way her hands move as she's making the tortillas, you're just like, dude, this is legit. This is very, very, this has been happening here for a long time. Right. And I love anything like that. That 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 is in the face of the impermanence, right? It's 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 kind of a a thing that's lasted a long time has something to teach all of us, you know.
1: I remember I think this was in our last conversation or something. You talked about one of the episodes where you would take time out to start your day with the walk, and I think it was like an hour walk or something like and I think I'm deep. Knee deep in the digital realm as well because I'm growing my my podcast production business and a lot of times I feel like more work is going to equal more output but it's actually the opposite mm-hmm. because it, you get to a lot of diminishing returns at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Where do you see that in the in the digital work for you? Well,
1: because I'm uh, I'm growing my business and so I'm working with clients and you know new new ones coming up and I'm a big fan of systemization so I'm writing SOPs. Like every entrepreneur, I had a bunch of people hired and I was like, oh, okay, this is how you do it. You just hire everyone to do the work for you so you don't have to do it. But then you're paying people and you don't have the business and you're watching it grow and it's like you're not getting in enough business to justify what you're paying Then you realize you're not making any money. So I basically like the way things worked out, I'm super streamlined now and before I start to add any more people, I'm just trying to realize how much can I do on my own? But I do get the feeling that I'm burning the candle at both ends yeah. now. So, man,
0: for me right now, it seems like the 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 most important thing is <laughs> is how how what, like how little can you do on this. Seth Godin has this quote about like what's the least amount of work I can do on this and it still, and it still be successful, mm-hmm. right? I can't remember if I'm hearing that exactly right, but it was something like that where I was like, whoa, that sounds so not Seth Godin, but it's really what I feel like I'm encountering right now. When you're talking about like, how much of this can I do on my own? I'm like, whoa, halt, stop, stop yeah. <laughs> now, hire someone now. But you, gotta, you do have to yeah. figure out what you're hiring them for. You know, yeah. you gotta. And I don't. I'm still like I had a virtual assistant for a while. We paid a lot for. It. We use this company called Belay, which is all U.S. based. Uh, mm-hmm. It's spendy, but it, it's good actually. It's I, I heard about it from a friend. I, I just did. I didn't know what what to have my VA do. I didn't know, I was was like, help me with email, help me with, like, and I really needed someone to say, like, well, this looks stupid, you shouldn't be doing that, you should be doing that, I'm like, okay, you can do that then, you're like, I'll take it off, right, that's kind of my dream right now, and man, it it is, it is where, uh, it it is such a faux, a faux, an in-between world. It is, a in, it is a world between worlds where it's like I've done the solo entrepreneur thing for a really long time. I mean, even when I was in Fizzle, I felt like a solo entrepreneur half the time because all the projects that, that I was on were my projects completely because I was one of the co-founders mm-hmm. and it was like, all right, we're figuring mm-hmm. out what to do. And I'm like, I'll take those. And that course was mine. That course was mine. That, you know, strategy over there and implementing that. And then we would all get together and connect all the dots together but uh being working on my own being able to come up with ideas and then completely finish them right being able to completely execute an idea is like that's what i need to make the course on i need to make the course on how do you be good at computers (laughs) how do you be good at interneting? (laughs) right step one copy and paste this is something that's going to come up again and again and again right step two how to edit video right (laughs) step three how to make a website yeah Right. Step step four: How to how to edit audio and do a podcast. Yeah. Right. How to make a good Instagram account, not an Instagram post. A good Instagram account. Right. Mm. How do you make? uh, How do you make a good Twitter account? Right. How do you like these? These are the things that I I, I've actually become an expert in. Right. Contrary. You feel so. You feel like you. You feel like you've cracked the code on some of that stuff. Cracking the code just meaning you can do it. Yeah. Right. I can do it soup to nuts. I can really do it. And when you can really do it and you can do it, you know, you could set it up and do it for anything. Right. The question becomes, what do you want to set it up and do it for? Because it's all a pain in the ass. Right. It's all work. How much of how much of what you do is colored by how
1: you're living your life? And so, you know, you're doing the you're doing the communal thing now. So is there a uh, social media for communal
0: families coming <laughs> right. up or something No, like that. no not very <laughs> like much that because my life right now in OB I hang out with uh, like so when we do the the communal thing here it, it means you know we do family dinners with all of us like we're 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 pooling our resources together you it's cheaper to make food for for cheaper per person to make food when you're mm. making it all together right it's it's cheaper per person to to combine resources and pay for the house together, right? It's cheaper per print. So it's this yeah. combining resources thing, which is great. We could easily be, we could be out somewhere else just by ourselves, right? This is the question that's in the back of my yeah. head all the time. It's like, wait, why are we doing this again? <laughs> right? Like, what? wait, wait, I could have a, a place, because I love the wilderness. I want to be out in the wilderness, right? I want to be alone and out in the wilderness, because I'm a bit of a hermit. And, you know, my son's nine. He doesn't need that right now. <laughs> he needs some buddies, right? <laughs> I don't want to do that to him. So when we're living communally, we it's mostly like regular everyday life. It's just there's more people around, you know, and we share some yeah. meals. But like we have our own floor of the house, they have their own floor of the house, and it ends up working out okay. great. Um, most the most evenings we're just kind of like hanging out together, or or like we do date nights. We, which is great because you have childcare built in for date nights. They get a date night every week. We get a date night every week. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't know. So, so like the communal living, actually, it it doesn't, there's more things going on, but it's not that it's, you know, it's not that actually, it's not as tough as I thought it was going to be. There is definitely interpersonal stuff going on, but it's like, that's part of the business here is you, you engage Mm -hmm. that, you try to work through it. You try to have friendships that survive that. And that's really the, that's that when we talk about things that are impermanent and things that are worth doing in capital L life, it's like friendships always come up. You know, it always comes up that kind of relationship and connection. So this is one way to to see if you're compatible with someone is live with them and their children. (laughs) (laughs) But to your question about how much does my life shape what I do, I find that online, I'm talking to very different people than I live around. Here in Ocean Beach, Hmm. where it's a very, it's like a hippie beach town. So I was in the San Diego
1: area like like two days ago. So funny, um, but where's where's Ocean? It's Ocean down by Beach?
0: It, Point Point Loma is the sort of the geographical region. It's okay. just north of the point of Point Loma. It is not far from downtown. It's it's like direct west, almost a little bit north and west from downtown. South of Carlsbad, okay. south of La Jolla. So and it's just a little like I never leave Ocean yeah. Beach. I hate leaving Ocean Ocean. Beach. I'm always here. I walk everywhere. Hmm. It's so it, it's not San Diego. It's Ocean Beach. Right, um, and the people around here, the friends that we have here, are all you know. They all have kids. They're all doing their own business thing. Everybody's in different places. There's there's a a, a very different person that I'm sp- spending time with online a lot through my YouTube channel, which are you know a lot of a lot of males that that maybe that, you know we watch we watch YouTube. We watch a lot of YouTube. A lot of people searching for some product that's going to solve their problem, right? Like what Bluetooth noise canceling headphones should I get? right? Like this is the thing I'm going to make my life about for the next little while. And I'm just going to look really quick. And then two hours later, you're like (laughs) four, four videos deep, (laughs) you know, and that's when you find mine. And I actually, my whole goal is to actually get you, get you to make a decision. Yeah, And I want you to make a decision. I don't want to make the decision for you. Right. I just, I'm not. Is that the product you're focused on now? No, what I am, I am focusing on some uh, Bluetooth earbuds like the little ones that go in now this is challenging harry this is a challenging product because if these run out of batteries you don't have a headphone that's true so whereas the bluetooth the over ear ones my preferred sennheiser pxc 550s i can just plug in even when they're out of batteries i can actually plug them in with usb and play through my computer while they're charging okay i mean there's a lot there's a lot to be said but it's stuff like that so better better than the bows i like the bows a lot the bows are very comfortable one of the most comfortable. The Bose kind of won. Uh, the Bose and the Sennheiser in my, like, sort of Bluetooth noise-canceling headphone deathmatch video, which is one of my most popular videos right now. It's like 150,000 views, <laughs> and it's it's the one I get so many people going like, whoa, this was really helpful. Thank you for doing it this way. Um, and I'm trying to bring more of that spirit into other videos that I'm doing. If people don't know, like, that's what I do. I, I Right now, full-time, I'm a YouTuber. Right, I'm a YouTuber, which means I have I have okay. about sixty thousand people subscribed to the channel right now, and uh, every time I publish a video, I get you know anywhere from seven to ten thousand people guaranteed to watch that in the next seven days. So whatever it's mm-hmm. about right now, <laughs> that's what, that is. and I can kind of choose whatever I want it to be about for the next one, and then. The whole question is if the one after that, will there be more people paying attention or less people paying attention? (laughs) Right. So, well, it's interesting because once you, yeah, I mean, once they trust
1: you, I mean, obviously, we we all know about the know, like, and trust, but once they know you and like you and trust you, they almost know sight unseen that you're going to do the due diligence in whatever it is you're talking about. Yeah.
0: And like the comment I get a lot is I would just listen to this guy talk about anything. And, and I love that. Like, I'm just honored so much every time that, that happens. And it's also really scary because I know I have this opportunity to talk about things that I think are really important. Right, because I've been mm-hmm. spending the last fifteen years of my life learning about things that are really important. I mean, I was trained—I was trained as a pastor. Yeah, yeah. remember that. Right? I have a—I have a bachelor's of science in religious studies. Like, I—I I go deep on old on midrash. <laughs> you <know> I like—I <laughs> like—I like, I like old esoteric things way more than I like modern brand new things. Uh, like, yeah. if you look at it by by you know how many hours of my life I've spent on on the, these kinds of things, and uh, and I find a lot of really valuable stuff in there, and I also find a lot of stuff that like is total BS, total like, like they, yeah. they used to think you needed to get all of this thing. Like, enlightenment works like this. You get enlightened, and then whatever you have lying around that can help you explain to someone how to figure out who they are, you use that. That's technology. It's like thought technology. And so, you know, mm. Jesus is using his particular Jewish tradition to, to, like, help people grok what's, what this thing's about. Whereas, they're, yeah. like, you know, someone like Trugyam Trump, Trumpa Rinpoche uh, is doing using something completely different, you know, his form of Buddhism that was lying around that he found. Um, and and it, it's more complex than that, which I love. Because I just think this question of like, what are we here for? What are we doing? What's going on? Like we're on a rock spinning in space. It doesn't look like we're the only planet in a Goldilocks zone of a star. There are billions and billions. There are more stars in the galaxy in the universe (laughs) than there are grains of sand on like the whole of the earth. It's like, it's the numbers are staggering. They're staggering. This universe is so vast. And we are sitting here like playing with ourselves, right? (laughs) Like we're just like, it's, Fascinating, and not only are we playing with ourselves, we're killing each other, right? We're we're like so afraid that there's not going to be enough resources that we're we're like putting up walls and we're tearing walls down and we're this that and the other because we we still don't think that we're one species. We still don't think we're one thing. Mm We you know Mm -hmm. it's like we're and I I,
2: that's crazy, right? We've been
0: fighting. We've been we've been. I see that as a very real conundrum, right? Like we. Like, we're not just going to solve this in the next couple of years. Like, we've been trying to figure it out for millennia, right? We have been trying to figure out how to do this thing. And now we've got way more problems than we used to have. I mean, there's humans everywhere. The waste is prolific. The amount mm-hmm. of resources that we're gobbling up on a daily basis just to keep the machine going is insanity, Sean Hannity. Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting conundrums and situations we put ourselves in. Um, and I'm not the person who knows everything about that at all. But I, I, like everybody else, is like, you know, I'll see the news feeds. I'll see the – I see. I think, you know, we look at social media to get a flavor for what, how are things going. On Instagram, everybody's doing, like, you know, the pictures of me by the beach in my bathing suit, <laughs> right? The hot dog legs thing or duck face. Like, here in San Diego, I see it all the time. These girls in twos or the, or the saddest is when the boyfriend – shout out to all the boyfriends out there who are taking the Instagram pics for their ladies. You know what? I see you. I respect you. I honor you. Um, I, the struggle is real. And I don't know, like, I don't know when our women are going to feel like they're sexy enough. Or like they're yeah. important or significant enough. But you know, it's like there's this thing that's happening with social where it's like I gotta get those likes, pics or it didn't happen. This kind of there's a reason why a lot of the tech a lot of the gurus in the tech world are like they do not let their children have screen time on like they're really oh, yeah. whole, they're they're pulling this social network thing is a very interesting sort of abstraction of just a handful of things from our real life it's not a it's not a digital reproduction of our of our actual lives right i always joke
1: that uh we i'd, I'd like i'd love to create a uh, a feed of like the like the, how your day really went like i just spilled coffee on my yeah. on my pants yeah. and i just like overcooked my eggs
0: <laughs> or, or, or like why did i look at why did, my toe <laughs> on my table <laughs> exactly exactly oh dang i like i looked at porn again and i'm trying not to right? Like, it's like, Like no one's going to do that. It's that, and it's that level of self-inquiry, right? And, and honesty and whatever that I think is going to get us closer to that capital L life, Mm -hmm. right? Which is why I've always been interested. And I've been, my personality is I'm extremely, wear my heart on my sleeve, honest a lot of the times, except for the places where I don't know where I'm dishonest with myself. Mm. Kierkegaard said the only authenticity is authenticity about your inauthenticity, right? So that, that anytime yeah. you like want to, this is a little trick for everybody out there. Anytime you want to get on stage and you want to, you want to uh, like if you're on stage and you're talking somewhere uh, or with anybody and you want to connect with them. Brené Brown's research is all on vulnerability. Vulnerability is really intrinsically and closely connected with shame. So anytime you can, you can be authentic about your inauthenticity on stage, yeah. for example that's going to yeah. ground people in you and it's going to and if you have something real to say then from that point there's a sense of you've just gathered density for them almost uh energetically in some ways like that just paying attention to someone who's telling a real story and you can tell they're telling it real is uh is a different thing than paying attention to someone who's trying to keep your attention right which is a which is a totally that's what the internet is. That's what business is. That's what the world of commerce is. That's what the world all around you is. is maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. It's this billboard. It's that billboard. <laughs> it's it's yeah. all people, all, all these companies or brands or products or people tr- like a- attempting to get your attention, okay? Because they know that what you are paying attention to is where your energy goes.
1: Yeah. Right. So if I can. So so how much? How much of that is coloring, like coloring your decision to pick that communal lifestyle? Did you see Captain Fantastic? I just watched it two days ago, dude.
0: (laughs) That thing blew. I was like, I was thinking about. There was so much in that film. There was so much. First of all, I was just grateful that the film got made. That anybody is is a thinking about topics like that, and then B at such a high level that they can make a film about it. Right, a good film like a really good film with yeah. very troubling really sort of emotional content like a really good film. I I really thought that it was a it was an excellent it was an excellent question. That film poses an excellent question, right? Because you can see the mistakes that dad's making. Mm, yeah. You can see the mistakes that, that like and you can see the ways that like that that whole thing was underpinned by his wife's mental health distress, right? Like yeah. that's kind of like that's like that's he's trying to solve that problem, right? I don't know I, I just resonate with so much of that and and see the mistake in it as well as the insight in it and and if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen that movie though then you, you got a little homework assignment because it's a challenging movie and it's good as a film what i call a film <laughs> in ireland they, they they say film film <laughs> and it's a film man it is like you're going to watch a movie and there's emotional content in it and it is moving and, it, and it's got a great payoff and one of the things I study a lot is filmmaking and, and story writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've done any of those masterclass classes yet or courses. No, not yet. They're so sensational. Like, I. That masterclass which, came which out. Which one did you do? I'll tell you, Masterclass came out when we, when we were making Fizzle, right? When I was in Fizzle, Masterclass came out. This is about three years after we had started Fizzle. Yeah. And so I was making courses and, and trying, you know, setting up a company with Corbett Barr, my co founder, to like figure out what is. Like what's the solution here? What, like people need to learn how to do stuff because they're not just born entrepreneurs or they don't have a bunch of entrepreneurs around them. So we're like a rent, a group of friends of entrepreneurs that instead of just hanging out and drinking beers and talking about life, we're going to like teach you very specific things in our way. Like it's like our way of drinking beer and talking about life is talking about how do we grow our email list in a way that is intelligent, that is thoughtful, that isn't gonna, you know, that isn't gonna leave your audience feeling, taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that. That's what Fizzle was, and so then I saw Masterclass come out, and the the conceit of Masterclass is what it, who let's get the best in the world to teach the course on the thing that they're the best in the world at. Right. So mm-hmm. like Werner Herzog teaches documentary filmmaking, or it was Dustin Hoffman teaches acting was the first one because yeah. the founder, <laughs> one of the founder was friends with Dustin Hoffman's daughter, um, uh-huh. and that's how they got in there. Right. And. And just so I've taken now I'm in the middle of Neil Gaiman teaches the art of storytelling, which is really killer. And then also I saw I was taking that course when I saw an advertisement somewhere else for Dan Brown's course. And Dan Brown wrote the like the Da Vinci Code and and oh, I, yeah. I read that one. I think that was the only one I read, but I remember it being just a great thriller and like killer story. And this guy's very successful and knows what he's doing. And and in the advertisement, I just saw his way of talking and his level of talking about story, and I was like, Oh, I have to watch this. So I watched the first half of that. And I've what I've been doing is I, I How long do they run? Each ones a little different, but I think it's about if you were to run it, if you're gonna do it back to back, I think it's probably an hour and a half. So think about like a like a movie, oh, really? and you're not okay. and you're not far off. There are then different ones like I really want to take Aaron Sor- Sorkin teaches uh, TV oh, yeah. screenwriting, right? Uh, and the way that that starts is like you know he re- he did the first I think three seasons of The West Wing, uh, which is for a lot of se- a lot of episodes each. And West Wing is, it's sensational. If you haven't watched West Wing, just go back and pour yourself an old fashioned and watch through. Like, every, like
1: <laughs> I actually have not, but I'm I'm a big fan of Newsroom.
0: Yeah, Newsroom's so good, right? Yeah, but so good. West Wing, I, I I was I think I'm not doing a podcast called The Late Bloomer because I'm into everything late. I'm into some things <laughs> like thousands of years late, and then other yeah. <laughs> other things just like I just missed all of West Wing. I just wasn't at the right age for that. By the way that I, you know the way it teaches you about things that are valuable to know as an American about the way that the government works was like it was incredible, but it does it through the form of storytelling through stories of mm-hmm, characters yeah. that are actually interesting and I care about right that like yeah. so there's a lot going on in that there's a, there's more training and teaching going on there than there are in some uh, courses that I've seen out there in the world right and it, it it's a, it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating... I've fallen in love with TV writing and movie writing and stuff like that because as far as getting an idea from one person's head into another person's head, it's really good at it. And it never really necessarily yeah. says the idea. Like TED Talk is about is about getting an idea from, from me as the expert on the stage to you out there. But what we're finding is that like, you know, it's like there's so much nece- there's so much dilution necessary or um, not dilution maybe it's distillation necessary to fit it into 20 minutes to really get the essence of the thing yeah almost like an espresso shot it's right? like an espresso shot and and a lot yeah. and and you if you've ever watched like TED Talks back to back like <laughs> you might forget the first one you watch completely. Like completely. But when you watch a story about a dad who moves his family out to the woods and has all of these radical ideas about what the human entity is and what civilization is and teaches each of these kids and all of them are very different from each other and you see the way that this family interacts. Well, you've just been given a treatise on civilization and the word was never really even mentioned, right? You've just Mm -hmm. been given a Mm -hmm. very interesting idea and it was all sleight of hand. It was all like in your subconscious. It was all yeah. like playing with your brainstem while you, because, you, and I, I just, li- I like that. I think that's amazing. And one day maybe I'll, I'll take it more seriously. But in the meantime, I find it, you know, enormously useful to learn about story and screenwriting for the purposes of marketing, product creation, sales yeah. page writing, uh, figuring out what the brand of your company is. All of this stuff is built on the same essential building blocks of story. Right. And I think that that's why my buddy Don Miller has this thing called Story Brand, which is like the single largest marketing platform, like education, education platform that I've seen ever. And it is so, so valuable. Story Brand is so good. If you have any product to make, mm-hmm. if you have anything like that, Story Brand is so good. It's not all the way to making the business. There's so much in like fizzle that is, uh, that I, you know, around glowing the email list and this, that, and the other. But what you learn in Story or in Story Brand, is valuable across, a, like for every, every single thing. Like in Fizzle, I made a thing called the 80-20 sketch sheet, which is just on one page, it's the, the nine blocks, nine questions you need to ask yourself before you make anything. A blog post, yeah. a podcast episode, a product, a sales page, a new brand, a new Instagram account, or whatever it is, right? Just gets mm-hmm. you to ask these really useful questions. Well, all it's getting you to do is understand the story of what this thing's going to represent to people, right? How it's going to connect to their lives. And Don's story brand does that even better. It just makes it so doable, you know?
1: How do you? Uh, there's so much that you're involved in, and just from like knowing you all these years, and, and just keeping an eye on your Twitter feed, like there's there's so many things that interest you. And I love to hear that you're, you're paying attention to
0: my Twitter feed. I don't. I, Tweetbot I, <laughs> doesn't send uh, notifications for faves or likes anymore, or even retweets. I think, and yeah. so I just never <laughs> I never see any interaction. I'm normally a like stream of consciousness. It, totally, it's like me just like stoned or drunk or something, and just going like, I gotta share this. <laughs> like it'd be so much
2: better. Well, like, I,
1: I like it because there's so you know it's interesting because on my like, I, I i've even changed the name of it that's probably why you you, didn't, you wouldn't even recognize it i think uh, just because i i like the anonymous nature of it yeah. and the fact that i've literally pruned down my feed to on, on specifically on my personal twitter just i mean i've got my business one and my podcast one but mm. i've got a personal one that just like i just and if if something co- comes across my feed that's not interesting or that i don't want to hear or is that or it's preachy or it's about, like, current yeah. events. I just I just delete <laughs> Dude, it. I'm I like, need nope. to
0: go through and filter my stuff out because I followed a yeah. bunch of stuff in this, like, social justice movement stuff. I was very interested mm-hmm. in that. And then also on the other side, the Jordan Peterson stuff. I was very, I'm very interested in Jordan Peterson. Fat, massive platform, just huge platform that grew out of nowhere. And he's basically telling people yeah. to, you know, clean up their bedrooms. Um, I'm very fascinated with him, and I, I also think it's I think it's amazing the way that he's triggering for people. Uh, I I learned so much from hearing people talk about Jordan Peterson who who haven't who really just haven't. They haven't given them the time because they're not they don't feel safe to you know and because
1: when you yeah they've got a strong he definitely lists strong opinions I I think um uh, there's days you know I i can listen to him and I'm like oh yeah 80 percent of that is like yes but then there's that 10 percent or 20 yeah. and I'm just like uh yeah. I don't know how I feel about that exactly
0: it's it's complicated he just when speaking of podcasting I think he just released something that's re- like one of the most I don't know when I saw it when I saw it go out I I was just like, I sat there and stared at the thumbnail on YouTube for a while because it was just like in the sidebar and it was like brand new and it was him interviewing Joe Rogan and it's two and a half hours and it's like, who is Joe Mm -hmm. Rogan? And Joe's like, just on earbuds on his phone. You're just in the studio and he's just sitting there hanging out, right? Like no production value at all and Jordan Peterson has like a DSLR on him that is at a frame rate that's like it's like 15 frames per second so it looks like a webcam <laughs> but even though the image is nice it's weird um and the first 30 minutes the first 15 minutes are really good especially when Joe's talking about his comedy writing process that was yeah. pure gold i thought that was interesting but the most interesting thing about it was and i haven't finished it i think they got off they get off into a little bit of territory that i'm like why are we this is like a circle jerk right now, but yeah. the, the, just the, I like Joe Rogan has been fascinating for me, number one, because I can listen to so much of him and not get bored of it. I, I really yeah. have been surprised by that. Over- there's no,
1: I don't think there's many other platforms that I can think of. I recently told him that, I mean, I, I told him, yeah, yeah. I mean, me, mean, my buddy, Joe, yeah. I mean, I said yeah. to somebody <laughs> that he is the new Oprah Winfrey in terms of like instant like exposure to a certain platform to a certain like thing like you get on there I've heard it
0: said that he has the single largest audience on the face of the planet
1: and it's crazy because where else can you go for a three hour conversation even Kanye West like when he goes on I want to hear him talk for three hours dude did you
0: see that did you see the the David Letterman Kanye West thing my next guess is on Netflix David Letterman did like you know 45 minutes with with Kanye and it's all pretty edited but there's a lot of real deal moments in there and I'm like dude this is sick you get so much and it's very challenging it's very challenging yeah. but um but the reason why i like that that joe rogan jordan peterson thing so much is for a few reasons okay so first of all joe rogan has one of the largest audience on the face of the planet and he's just a dude named joe rogan his podcast is called the joe rogan experience like it's just yeah it's it's all of it is so un is so half baked right it's so half baked Number two, he talks about in there when he started the podcast, the whole the whole point was always just like he had and there's this great moment where there's this comedian named Ari Shafir, one of Joe's good friends. Yeah. And he was like, dude, you're so this is a while ago. This is several years ago. You're so dumb. You have to edit these uh, these conversations down. Right. You have to edit them down. Nobody wants to listen to this. <laughs> right? And I just love that. I want to frame, I want to write that down, I want to frame it on the wall. Because it was the advice, it's the, how many people out there who are entrepreneurs, who are very susceptible, malleable to advice from people yeah. who sound like they know what's going on. And Ari Shafir at the time had some deal with Comedy Central, he had done some stuff, he has some shows, he's just got a totally different direction in life and sees yeah. it and from a very real perspective. Like there is very real advice in that editing it down, it'll have more reach. And I think it's fascinating that it's exactly for the opposite reason that it seems to have blown like so much bigger than anything Ari your yeah. ever done let alone anybody else on the planet <laughs> Do you know what I mean? it's, it's crazy because he's such
1: an everyman and he's like he knows his limitations and he's he's yeah. said many times it's like i'm just a stupid ape i don't know this stuff yeah but like it resonates because you can skip and pick and choose like oh i don't want the mma stuff but i i totally. dive deep into the graham hancock like yeah. ancient civilization yeah. stuff like yeah. that stuff blows my totally. mind <laughs> something i'm <laughs> like currently following so Woo-hoo! like it's
0: yeah the graham hancock stuff like where else are you finding that conversation i don't know i guess i can go find some weird podcast where that's all this guy talks about but i don't want to go that deep i don't want to go that i just want to hear what graham found out in the last seven months or whatever right like that's that's why a show like that is so valuable because a we have the space for a real dialogue b we have uh, uh enough reach to actually get Whoever he wants on the show can come on the. He can pretty much get on the show, but then see he how Joe shows up is authentic, right? He has a resonance. His authenticity is kind of palpable, and I think he learned it all from the martial arts stuff. Because when you're standing Mm -hmm. toe to toe, eye to eye, chin to chin with another strong, you know, (laughs) strong ape, like you, 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 you just you face a lot of things. Right, You face a lot yeah. of stuff. You, like you said, he knows his limitations. When I think about making things big on the internet, I think about authenticity. I think almost exclusively mm-hmm. about authenticity. But it's not just authenticity. Yeah. But authenticity is one of these pieces that I've been able to cobble together. I kind of always knew how to do that. For some reason i would in junior high i was writing little rap songs to the tune of gilligan's island about tupac <laughs> shakur and shook knight at, like taking gunfire in las vegas because that would just happened it was like all over the news and it literally starts <laughs> like the weather started getting rough or something like that it was it was because my dad would always hum that song and and I would just write verses and verses and verses and verses about like, what happened to Tupac? And oh no, then this happened, then this happened. And I would, you know, I was always embarrassed by it. I was always, like, I was afraid to perform it. I was I would have like a maybe a little group of people that I would perform it for and it would be kind of cool. But um, I was so wrapped up in trying to perform it that I wasn't really paying attention to how was it coming off, right? And so this is the mm-hmm. second thing of authenticity is not needing them to like you. This is what Joe said about Ari Shafir's advice, is he was like, I never did this to grow an audience, ever. I did this because I wasn't having deep conversations with people. I did this because I wanted to have long form conversations with people, right? If you can authentically build a thing for you to please and satisfy yourself, it's like think of it as masturbation, and you're not far off, right? If you can satisfy yourself, there's and and now with the tools of media, there's there's ways in which you record it. I'm not talking about recording yourself masturbating, but hey, man, there's a lot of people that make (laughs) a living doing that. But the, the 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 like the authenticity piece is so related to that Brene Brown vulnerability and shame thing, right? Which means like mm-hmm. authenticity about your inauthenticity. Like, hey, I'm I'm standing on this stage yeah, yeah. right now and I'm trying to be liked by you, right? Because I'm afraid you won't because most people in my life haven't, right? But I think I have something that's valuable to share with you. So here's what I think you want out of life. Well, you've just grounded me in something so like rudimentary, Right? and essential about you right now and about this moment right now. Now Mm -hmm. I'm listening. Mm -hmm. So this is Brene on shame and vulnerability and vulnerability, goes vulnerable. relationships are built on vulnerability. And my relationship with my audience is a relationship, right? And my audience funds everything in my life and gladly, like they love doing it. Right. This is the way we want to get with our audiences so the authenticity is authenticity about your inauthenticity and shame vulnerability like really really exploring that stuff this is is partly why i like drugs so much drugs is in parentheses (laughs) there because I find that when I drink, I'm always out there raging and wanting to go further and farther and faster. And when I smoke some cannabis, I'm like, why am I so hard on myself? <laughs> like, like, why, why mm. does this work this way? And like, why have I, I've been thinking this thought for like 15 years. Like, why don't I just complete the thought? Like, what am I so afraid of in this thing? I love personal exploration. To me, self-exploration, is, it, is the, it is the final frontier. It is, yeah. it is s- space exploration.
1: Right, I think the inner world makes you go down some really gnarly rabbit holes if you if you do it um, to the extent that you should and like really like pick away at the scab type of stuff. Yeah, and and I I find that it
0: it seems like a lot of psychotherapy, good psychotherapy, um, especially the classics, the origin days, like the Freud and the Young stuff. The the main insight there is like, man, the all thought is an afterthought. All thought is actually generated by this, these subconscious urges, these drives, these energies, right, that are at work in this place in our subconscious, this place below our conscious mind, which which is what movies work on, which is what specifically music works on. If you ever watch a movie Mm -hmm. and you take the music out, it'll have a totally different emotional impact. Right. But if you add the music in there and and you change the music, you can make it from a really romantic or interesting thing to a very creepy, same interaction. Have you seen
1: those, uh, those like, um, exercises they give film students where they take one movie, but you take away the soundtrack and you can, you can make it they they take a trailer basically, and you just change the music, and it sounds like a like they can make a, a, a romantic comedy look like a scary movie yeah. just because of the music they're putting. in. <laughs> I haven't
0: seen them, but I know exactly how it works because I've seen this. Dude. I've I've messed with the same stuff myself in my own filmmaking, right? And I yes, I just use the term filmmaking. No, <laughs> they're not films. They're they're not films, especially. They're just videos on YouTube. But the power of music is what cues in the subconscious on how to feel about this right yeah. so i can't remember exactly why i was getting into the origins of psychotherapy or whatever but there's this thing that that you can kind of understand about yourself that your thought your mind the activity of the of the of the mental sort of place in you is actually being generated it's being powered by stuff underneath that that you actually aren't even consciously aware of and i find that in use of uh meditation Breath work—you don't have to get into quote drugs, right? Meditation, breath work, exercise. Um, surfing's mm-hmm. a big one for me. Running has been a really big one. Weightlifting has been a really big one for me. Where I'm getting into these these feelings and these experiences that I wouldn't normally think myself into, but nothing is compared, quite honestly, with uh, with strong psychedelic experiences for exper- for experiencing like me, right? For and and. Yeah. I find that a lot of challenging, difficult things come up. And the whole game of that is is it worthwhile to have challenging things come up and to process them? Right. And what I have found is that yes, it is enormously worthwhile. Why? Because everything that's going on in your mind is generated by what you're literally trying to re- like to resist right now. And so if you if you take some ayahuasca in the jungle with a good shaman and you go into that thing that you're resisting because you don't have any choice. Yeah. You're just slammed against the wall, you're you're <laughs> magnetized down to the ground. You're you're being crushed by the you're forced to to look at this thing. Uh, and to think these thoughts and to feel these feelings, really. They're not thinking these thoughts. You feel these feelings, then your mind makes up what this feeling could be about, right? But the, what's important is just to feel those feelings because they're just stored up. That's <laughs> like from a long yeah, yeah. time ago. Why are we carrying it around, right? To me, to be an online creator, which is this enormous opportunity in the world, right? Where I have a YouTube channel that's just called Chase Reeves. And for some reason, it keeps growing right? There's a lot of reasons why it keeps growing. But one of them is, is that I'm involved, and that it's me. And there's at least some small part of the audience. And that part of the audience is growing. That's just interested in what I have to say about stuff, because I'm thinking about things that they're also thinking about. And I've thought about them a lot. (laughs) I'm also like a a dialogue (laughs) tition. I just talk to myself, right? (laughs) I'll just turn on the camera, I'll just go. Right And make up, uh, try to understand what's going on on the other side, but I I don't really know what they're experiencing until I see the comments and until I see the results and stuff like that.
1: So are you doing fizzle still or is it just, you said you're doing, is it YouTube full time? I'm still
0: running the podcast. I'm still running the podcast, which I love because I love this question of how do we earn a living doing something we care about? It's like, when I think of what I want to contribute in the world, one of the first things that comes up is like, I would love for uh, families not to, for husbands and wives or or, not, or or wives and wives and husbands and husbands or whatever, for partnerships and solo people to have less worry about what we're going to be doing to make ends meet next month, mm, right? Yeah. I, I don't like that question at all. I don't feel like it's good for our species. I think it's good for us to to have to, you know, to have challenges to 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 interact to, I wouldn't I wouldn't know a single thing about myself if I wasn't kicked out and like put on the street to like figure out who I was going to be right I would still be just some rich kid sitting you know feeding whatever appetites that come up and I've met a lot of people like this I have a lot of people in my life like this right who've never really left the reservation right of of the the you know, the safe suburban big box store world or something like that, you know? And there's a whole world out there that I wanted to get to know. And well, I'm finding a lot of it now. And it can be very overwhelming because I'm able to provide for my family, you know? And I know a lot of people that are like, they're just getting raked over the rocks right now right and it's it's like it's not at all been easy but it's like it's been the fight of my life but it's it's also been like a fight i know i was having and like i'm i I knew i needed to have you know it wasn't surprising to me you know i knew it would be you know hard but it's also it's it's worked out well for me why because i'm really well educated Mm -hmm. on one hand because i come from good stock on the other hand because i wasn't bogged down and in poverty mindset yeah. for a long time, right? I had a different kind of poverty mindset, uh, emotional poverty. That's why like all of my thing is about, is about connection and, and feeling like you're where you're supposed to be in your life because I think growing up, I just never really felt like that. I was supposed to be like this, this fat and happy little prince and I felt like who I am, if I dress the way that other people do is I walk up and I'm like a Shooter McGavin, right? I'm like a dickhead right i'm like a rich dick is what people assume about me right um so i my whole life has been trying not to look like that right and trying not to be that because i never liked those guys in the movies that i watched yeah they're always the bad guys in the movies right they're never the guy coming in and saving the day right they're never the guy going like oh dude you're having a hard time like here why don't you come live with us and we'll see what we can put together over the course of a year or something like i never see never see that kind of shit right so uh i i'm I'm in a bit of an identity crisis there because this is why I'm so interested in the Jordan Peterson because I can tell there's something so real about this, but it's also from such a particular point of view right yeah and and there's no way for a white man to not sound like a white man these days. It's like very rightfully so, I will be put in that box like and and that. I shouldn't be given a platform to speak from. But since I didn't give, get a platform to speak from, I went out and made my own. <laughs> right? It's like, that's what it that's how it fucking works. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's the internet. We get to make our own shit. Yeah. And and uh and the world isn't necessarily like that. The world isn't not necessarily you are not entitled to anything. There is no entitlement in this game, right? The only authenticity is going to be your authenticity about your inauthenticity. Again, I'm going to say that like 500 times throughout this thing. And what you're entitled to, we have this great little video in Fizzle at some point early on in the roadmap where it's like, listen, the only thing you're entitled to is the work, Mm. right? So what is the work that you think is worth it? Because nobody's keeping you from that. Not a single soul is keeping you from that.
1: I'd love to see the metrics of when people get to that point in the road then it just drops off like a cliff they're like oh wait a minute
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't totally. tell me i had to
1: work for it
0: <laughs> totally and it, it, it's like it's it's such a but it's also it's a very it's a very heavily burdened idea i mean this is what's been summarized by like lift yourself or pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and the reason why that that is not that cannot be the solution is cuz there's so many people who just don't have boots or straps mm-hmm. for those boots right it's like there's just so much like so many parts of the population that d- don't have th- even that yeah. right so it's this it, it, and it's just a big big question we're all on spaceship earth together we're all here together if if i'm if i'm sinking someone else's boat so that my boat is more likely to sink, to stay yeah. floating right it's like then the, that's when the comic like the next part of the comic is you zoom out and like both of those boats are on this the on are the same boat you're making you're making your boat sink, right? It's this whole thing that I feel like our species has gotten hilariously out of touch with the larger picture, right? And that's why this guy, Stephen Jenkins, blows my mind because he's like, Yeah, you know why? Because you're afraid of endings. Mm. You're afraid of death. You're so death phobic, you cannot even have a conversation without calling death a transition. Like without without fantasizing about what's next. You're just afraid of the end and as long one of the biggest works of uh, uh one of the one of the most highly regarded works that i've heard again and again and again and again and again of, of of psycho of psychology and psychotherapy that has like that has spilled over into into just you don't have to be a psychotherapist to read it is uh ernest becker's book the denial of death and in that he mm-hmm. makes the claim that basically everything that makes us who we are is coming from this denial of death, this denial of endings, the same exact thing that Stephen Jenkins is setting. Is, is that am getting that guy's right? Let me see. Jenkinson, Stephen Jenkinson. Um, but the, that... <laughs> That's why, and honestly, this is another plug for, for psychedelics, smartly used, even cannabis, smartly used, and, and smartly used is underlined there because you can really lose your mind on these things. But they're like deaths. They're like little deaths. A psychedelic yeah. journey, a, a real plant medicine experience is, is like intentionally seeking something that, uh, that, that isn't, a, like, it's not bliss out mode. You know, it's not like in the, in the psychedelic world, in the spiritual world, there's like stuff that's interesting because it's really blissy and we want to yeah. get more blissy and feel like life is good. And Euphoria, like opp- yeah. Euphoria, exactly. Euphoria feels great because everything goes away except for right now, right now, right? And then there's, there's more other stuff where you're kind of like experimenting and exploring just the reality of what, what you really have brought into this moment right now. And I've brought my whole history with the um the ayahuasca
1: journeys that I've done has been through the um Santa Daimid Church and uh, mm. before before the work starts they they say Bom Trabalho, which is Portuguese for have a good work, because it is yeah. like it is like going to the spiritual I call it spiritual Cross CrossFit.
0: What what's the deal? Because those churches like they they have ayahuasca like a sacrament. It is right. Yeah, it is and it and how much of a dose are they giving people? Are you sitting in pews like in a church? No, like, it's what's in, the story? in circles. So okay like a Maloka just like actual ceremonial yeah
1: it's a ceremony and it, what's interesting is and I've done a, a bit of work into like what has happening on a spiritual level multi-dimensional level like it's you're they're opening up a portal this is what happens at that you know you're opening up a portal mm. so if you're just doing it like recreationally like I've done in the past with like acid it's like you're yeah. you're messing with some really big stuff that you know nothing about and yeah, yeah. you're creating uh, openings for lower dimensional energies to come in and just hijack your shit because it's like, Oh look, look yeah, at this, right. look at this body. That's just like, open up this portal, th- this dumbass, ass. I don't know what the hell they're doing. And so I'm we're just going to go in there and go sit in there for a while. And it's yeah, really, and it's a, so, sc- it,
0: can be, it becomes really scary.
1: Yeah. If, if, so that's why doing it in a, in a context where they open it and they close it because you actually, you're yeah. literally like, and then there's a reverence yeah. to it. And you know, that one's a bit heavy on the, on the Christianity and, and, and the, uh, um jesus makes
0: more sense I've, on ayahuasca than you can imagine <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm
1: convinced he was an alien anyway so i and i and I'm, <laughs> and I'm and i'm i'm actually a uh a proponent of christ consciousness which is completely yeah. different nothing has nothing to do with the church uh, at all or, or yeah. the vatican for that example but i've been studying a lot about this this idea of a hierogamic union which is the marriage of christos and sophia consciousness together and which can be mm-hmm. um, represented within your own body, but also in, in the type of unions you have. So that's that's been pretty fascinating stuff for me. So I've, ha- I've had a whole shift on my my views on that, having grown up Catholic, and I was just I completely shunned it for a long time. But then I realized, oh wait, he was here to do some cool stuff, and uh, <laughs> he got a little, uh, um, yeah, the, the, we just weren't ready for his message <laughs> at the time. So
0: right. Yeah, in the in magic and hermetic tradition stuff, they they call that kind of consciousness solar consciousness mm-hmm. because it's it's represented by the sun at the center of of this, you know, of our solar system, yeah. right? Being this kind of uh, and and, you know, Jesus is always depicted as a a sun sort of figure in early Christian stuff. Like you see um uh, just how this idea of this universal this universal way of, of being almost where it's like, I think that one of the things that people forget about Jesus is how surprising he was in his time, how um, like he'd just be walking down the street, there's a guy, he's interesting, people are following him because they're like, oh, there might be some miracles that happen. And he sees this guy hanging out in the tree that just wants to get, he got climbed up the tree because he wanted to get a good look at Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and he's, I don't know, for some reason, he taps into this guy. He's curious about him. And he's like, hey, I'm going to, can I come? This was a fairly common thing at the time, I guess asking yourself over to someone else's house for dinner (laughs) and he's like, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. Well, this guy was a tax collector. I mean, these are, these, we feel the same about tax collectors now (laughs) that we did back then, except for it was worse back then because they literally just come like knock on your door. They just get stuff from you. Right. It was personal. It was like, this guy was a loan shark, right? He has to get the payment for the Caesar of his region or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, and Jesus has this really interesting dialogue and conversation, and and does this thing that every religious person in, in, from his tribe would would have bought, did balk at, right? Did go, and he just wasn't interested at all in like what his religion was up to, what the what Judaism was about, what the Pharisees or the Sadducees and yada yada were about, because. In, fe- in fact, he was he was the hardest on them. He was the most offended by the way that the religious people were owning the dialogue about what a human is mm-hmm. and what a relationship with God is, and what. And so, for me, all of that stuff, which I studied a bunch back in the day, and then totally walked away from completely for like five years. There was nothing but nihilism. And I got kind of cold hearted and I and I knew it and I missed I missed my old like devotional times and my quiet times. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's when I started hearing about meditation from Dan Benjamin, actually, on the Back to Work podcast with mm. Merlin Mann. Heard about meditation from Dan and he had a a, a meditation teacher called Gil Fransdahl who had all these great guided meditations 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. And I did a bunch of them and I, I was getting into very interesting places in some, I was working at a startup at a t- at the time we had a one office in the back that was for storage and I would just go sit in there and run a guided meditation because I was burning out on the work I was doing and I couldn't, yeah. but it, like it was, it was good, good work if you can find it. And so I was like, I should be satisfied. And I used that time to play with my experience of myself and like my mind, and and I learned a lot through that. man. meditation, I've gotten more high on meditation than I have in a lot of drug, yeah. drug use. but I, I, I don't know. I just find that that these kinds of experiences of of self uh, self-discovery can get you into a head and a heart space where you realize like you are not at all painted into a corner. You are not at all uh, a victim of your situation. And in fact, you have the choice right now to to look at anything in which you're victimized, and see you know see it from some perspective, some different perspective, where it's not your fault that happened to you, or if it is your fault, it's like people make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? You can kind of. It, it's So much of the spiritual movement in the new age is, is caught up in this question about self-love and teaching. Like one of the first steps is just getting people to stop hating themselves, mm-hmm. right? Just to stop viscerally actually being disgusted with themselves, the way their body looks when they see themselves in the mirror, yeah. the way it feels to put on the jeans. The way it feels when you hang up the phone or you get off the phone with someone and you're like, God, that was so stupid. Why did I say that? The way it feels to be rejected by someone when you're, you know, on some Tinder date and they decide not to, you know, go to the next step with Mm -hmm. you or whatever. Right. We, we, We create all of this. You know, story or narrative, and we pile it on ourselves so much so that um, that we forget that there was a real moment that happened, and that we could have like pressed pause, look at it from a different cam- camera angle, and seen what was going on in the other person who rejected us, or see mm-hmm. you know why why our body is this? What's beautiful about our body? How we're the spear tip at the end of a very long spear of our of our you know lineage, right? We're literally like the the latest model <laughs> of this new technology called you or called your family or whatever it is. Right. It's it's there's so many ways you can look at your own existence. And I feel like I've lived in what David Foster Wallace calls the, the skull sized kingdom, you know, all by myself in my head for a really long mm. time. Like a really long time. And I uh I I've so because of that I just messed around with a lot of stuff. I just messed around and eventually I messed around a lot of stuff. You learn some really important stuff, but one of the things you, one of the big things you learn over time is like, oh, well, listen, there's a lot of stuff to mess with. So if you're bored, you can find something to mess with and there's more opportunity and potential in you and in the world than, than your brain is typically capable of thinking of, right? There's more to understand.
1: How much of what you are looking to do in this next phase of your life is going to be having these conversations, or you know, is there a, a Joe Rogan type podcast in in your future? I mean, I get that. I mean, I always have gotten the feeling that the you, your your head's about to explode with all the stuff that you you've got in it and that you want to get out. Mm.
2: <laughs> mm. And, yeah. there's,
1: and there's there's something really exciting about a free form conversation. That's you know, like Chris Ryan has intentionally mm. speaking, right? Which is like totally. We, I love Chris we, Ryan. We've yeah. we jumped on ten different topics here now, but I think. I think there's room for more of this type of discourse of, of just having mm. tough conversations or bring, you know, talking with people who you may actually disagree with, but just, mm. just being able to talk through ideas because we don't do that enough, I think. And yeah. you know, I, I look forward to these conversations because I, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a short opportunity to do that, but I, I'm just wondering how you're thinking about that in an, in an effort to just get, these, get more of these ideas out there.
0: It's a, it's a good question, man, and it's what I've been thinking about for a long time. Here's my my thing. I don't think there's an audience that wants to listen to me talk about this stuff. That's something that my mind makes up, right? That's something that my insecurity is feeling very confident about, right? Um, Your insecurity is confident about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's an also there's this other thing where where listen, man. Like the world needs another white dude on a microphone talking about <laughs> you know taking ayahuasca or some shit <laughs> right we really don't there's that there's also there's also this sense of one of the what i okay where I am in my youtube channel right now is a um is a function of of where what I learned to do inside of fizzle and what fizzle is really what is at the core of fizzle is this idea that um that you it's that it's value all the way down. That the way that business works is the same way that relationship works. We find value in each other and we keep each other around in mm-hmm. our lives, right? Like you do something valuable for me, I do something valuable for you. Like in business, it's like, I, I need money to pay for uh, gluten-free crackers for my kid. And I so I make something and someone, someone in exchange for the thing I made, they give me money. I can take that to any store to go get the crackers that I need, yeah. right? That's value for value. Perfect, love that, totally get it it what i'm loving in the youtube channel right now because it's really weird harry i do videos on like bags and backpacks Mm -hmm. and like and like slings and you know headphones and i'm doing one on like coffee (laughs) coffee makers for your home like what was the best home coffee maker i was like a big coffee guy for a long time (laughs) i was lived in portland i got a good education in it but uh what i love what i've come to love so much about that is the actual usefulness of something in somebody's life. If I can make a video that actually helps someone be done thinking and worrying about something, Right? Yeah. I find that to be enormously useful cuz a lot of people are spending I get emails all the time dude you have no idea how many hours I'm I've spent searching for the bag cuz I'm going to spe- I don't mind spending money on the bag that I need for daily carry but you got to understand I live out of this thing. Yeah. Like, I live in Florida but I work in Washington DC and so I have like a this long of a plane mm. thing or a train thing every day and then when I'm there I got to go to the gym and do all this stuff before I get to the work and the yada, and it, it's like the amount of stuff this person carries in their bag they live out of it they're looking for the and and they want it to look a particular way if they can right they don't want to they don't want to look like a like a high schooler yeah. <laughs> right they don't want to look like a like they're out and <laughs> yeah they don't want to look like they're out in the wilderness either right like on some hike or something there's just something really profoundly useful about about like putting that worry to rest and helping them find the the thing that they so they can be stopped worried about that and on with their life like back into the mission back into whatever the work is in their life so i am profoundly and always interested in in like one of the things i'm doing right now you can go to workwithchase.com i don't know if this will be available in the future but i'm just charging like 99 dollars for like a 45-minute conversation Mm. right just, I love coaching. Yeah. I love, I love just brainstorming with people. Like hearing where they're at, what's going on, uh, w- w- what do you think is going to happen? Why would that be scary? Right? Like just, just getting into it, opening things up, does does such wonders for the for the creative soul. Yeah. Because now it's like, God, I was so caught up in all of this shit. Now I see it wasn't that important, um, and that when I, I can just double down on this thing over here, things can become really clear. If you don't try to do it all yourself, right? It meaning even just in your brain, just in your head. So I'm loving coaching a lot. I've done a bunch of coaching training recently. I really got to I got to dude, I got to sit and like with a master oh, yeah. for like three months, four months really. He His name's Dan Tokini. all right? Listen, there's a thing called the revenant process. It's a four-day, it's more intense than ayahuasca. Something like the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Totally. Revenant means to return, yeah. right? So it means to return back to yourself. So this whole thing has been designed, it's a four-day thing that's designed in a in a really shitty, typically a shitty hotel like sort of conference room, no windows. So he's never done it with anyone. It's always no windows, just chairs and people. And it's like, you're coming in here and you will not be disappointed with what you find in yourself at the end of these four days the whole thing is designed to give you an experience of yourself so that you can see how others are always reacting to you whether or not you're noticing it right and to help you kind of confront what like so to me when i when i first saw it i was like oh my god this is shamanism Mm. this is an ayahuasca journey this is a ceremony this is Profoundly ceremonial, like it's the. If you ever wanted to do ayahuasca, I'd be like, go do this first to figure out what your fucking intention is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is the hard stuff that's in ayahuasca. This will make ayahuasca a teacher instead of uh, like a you know a, what can what can often happen where it can it can just be really intense. Like the teaching can be very stern, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And this is like beginning that work. You don't need any drugs. You don't need anything. You just need to to make the decision to explore it and and really which is the decision that it's that it's going to be productive for me right? That it's going yeah, to be yeah. value. It's going to have been valuable for me. So this guy, Dan Takini, he's the guy, he's older. He's like my dad's age. And he just one of my favorite people I've ever met. Amazing family, amazing honesty with uh, his relation and about his relationship with his wife, like what they've gone through in life. His kids are grown up and and both of them just really interesting, engaged people in the world. So I was really inspired by this guy. But then I I did his three-month coaching training, and I was like, whoa, this is heavy duty. This is so good. And in the middle of that, I did the four day revenant thing. And now I've been uh I just go to him. I just go and I help out in the back. I run music with him. And uh because I just I just find Where's he based out of? It, it, right now he's doing a lot in LA. Okay. Uh he's based out of Healdsburg, which is up in Wine Country, oh, yeah. Sonoma County, there. California. Totally beautiful. And he's just this older Italian guy. He's been in, He's just been in so many like CD. He He's one who, who finalized and negotiated the ESPN Disney uh, merger mm. or acquisition, whichever one. They had stalled out for three years. Oh, wow. The lawyers were working on it for three years and they could not. And finally, one of the guys who – because Dan's been doing this like training stuff, this Revenant type thing for like 20 years. And one of the guys that was – one of the lawyers or someone in there – was like, I I think I got a guy that might be able to help. Let's bring him in. And he had it sorted out in three months. He had it completely sorted out in three months. So it's like, it, he, he's a very special mind and I got to hang out with him and just be with him. he's just a real deal. He's the, he's the guy who taught me about Kierkegaard saying the only authenticity is authenticity about your inauthenticity. Yeah. And once you see that in yourself and then you see it in your wife, cause her, my wife and I did it together and then you see it in other people and you see it in so many other people, like in so many other of these things, I, I just bring it up because there's things out there that can get you into depth with yourself right? You don't have to just be, you know, catching up on great things on Netflix, which are great, but how much of that has really gotten you into depth with yourself, right? How much of that is actually profoundly changing what your daily life looks like? I think, I submit that it's not changing very much of your daily life, right? Yeah, it'll make you think differently
1: for like a couple of days and you'll talk about it to your friends, but it's- And I love installing it in- Surface level stuff.
0: Exactly, I love installing. Like I just watched one the the, the Black Godfather it was so good on Netflix. <laughs> this guy's like a new hero of mine. I love I love stuff like that. Or another one well, the I really black love. Earth super stuff is pretty, pretty wild. Which one? Bigger. Oh, black. Well, Black Mirror is like yeah. That's like that is a psychedelic. Type. That is a psychedelic. Yeah, um, yeah. That's also that's also challenging, and and you'll want to look away right that will have more of a chance uh, at changing your life than things that are palatable and easy mm-hmm. this is one of the, the like things to learn about yourself is that you're keeping yourself from the stuff that's good for you why cuz you're afraid of it changing you
2: yeah
0: you're actually and sometimes that's good sometimes that's really 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 healthy sometimes it's a like like you know what that's a good reason why not to try meth that's <laughs> a really good reason why not to get on uh on try any opiate to deal with pain yeah, yeah. right it's a really good reason why not to mess with certain things, right? Which is why we be smart about getting. And what are the re- results of people who who mess with this thing? What are the results of people who watch Black Mirror, right? <laughs> like, are they are they surviving? <laughs> but uh, but this kind of self radical self exploration thing is a topic that I'm very interested in, and I honestly I have like a PhD in it at this point. Mm. The bummer is my PhD is not in anything in particular; it's in like a bunch of different like you know i'm more like the delta than i am the river right i'm the place where the delta it's like there's there's all, there's all these tributaries and rivlets and all this different stuff that's spreading out and fanning out as it explodes out into the ocean or whatever i'm like that i want to be close to the ocean i want to be i want i don't want there to be a bunch of stuff that we can mess with because to me the important thing is is really looking at the person the human being and saying how's it going? And being in that question with them, yeah. right? How is it going? Because you know when you're not satisfied. And uh, another, I think it was Heidegger who talks about another one of my Dan quotes, talks about the the level of despair we're comfortable with and choose to call happiness, right? This just <laughs> the sense of like this despair that we actually call happiness. Um, because we can't, C.S. Lewis says, we can't imagine what, it, we're like children playing with mud pies in the slum because we cannot imagine what it would be like to, we don't know, we don't know what is meant when someone says a vacation at the beach. We just have no idea. We don't believe in it. We don't know what it means. We, we're so constricted psychically to what we've experienced so far in life that we can't even imagine what is meant when someone offers a vacation at the beach and we just choose instead, I'll keep playing with these mud mud pies Mm -hmm. in the slums. Right. It's a really powerful idea. And it so when you're asking about, do I want to make a podcast on these topics? Well, dude, I just talked your fucking ear off for 20 (laughs) minutes about it. So you better, you bet your fucking ass I do. Right. But am I scared about it? Yes. Have I been doing this for long enough to feel like I need to figure out what the hell it would be before I put it out there? Yes. But have I also, like, am I also still so, like, self absorbed and manic that, like, I could keep myself from doing this for the rest of my life? Yes. Totally. Absolutely. Well, And bringing it back you full know? circle
1: to what Joe Rogan did, like at the time he was, he had a natural curiosity for these types of conversations. And I think if you scratch that itch and if you need an impetus to do it, or, you know, you want to jump on the first couple together, I'm, I mean, I'm more than happy to like, uh, the beauty of all these, all these things, right? Is It could be one episode or it could be a thousand, right? But you never know, but just yeah. like, was like, well, that was a train wreck. We're not going to publish that.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. So totally. Like the, one of the things that's, that's challenging is I have, I've done a, a handful of sample episodes of the kind of thing I wanted, I thought I might want to do. And what I noticed when I listened back to those, when I'm interviewing someone else, or some of them I was just doing, just me. What I noticed when I listened back to those is, um, well, I've matured a lot since, since I've recorded a lot of those. So a lot of writing and development of the content has completely shifted and changed Mm -hmm, for me. mm -hmm. There's a whole magic and science in that. It's like, it's totally grokkable. You can absolutely get it. you just, You just have to make a lot of it to get it or sit with an actual master for a while. Um, The (laughs) workwithchase.com. Yes, I'm presenting myself as a master of content for sure at this point. (laughs) Yes, not that it's going to be good content, but it's how we can get started for sure. It's how you can build that initial audience. But the other thing is I'm I'm con- I'm going back and forth between do I really want to talk to other people or do I just want to teach cuz half the interviews that I've ever done I talk way too much. So there's still a lot in me that wants to express and and to teach. Mm-hmm. So I'm using my my I so I got the iPad Pro with the pen. And yeah. I don't know if you know if the Apple Pencil has like the best sort of handwriting feel, the palm, you know, the all the all the stuff in it is it's really fun to write with and draw with and i had an ipad pro for a while the old the first one uh and then i stopped using it but i'm back to using it now in this app called notability and this is where i write all my scripts for my videos This is where i think through sort of the the almost the essence of the of the screenplay so to speak yeah um and I've noticed that I've been kind of writing out and journaling my thoughts. For instance, when I listen to that Joe Rogan thing, I pull up my, I Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, pull up my, I start taking notes. Mm. Then when I do the Neil Gaiman, when I do the Dan Brown, I take those courses because I'm actually, what I'm doing is I'm taking notes and I need something good to take notes yeah. on, right? And so why would I take notes on just some, you know, some lame podcast that somebody just farted together that I would have done, you know? Like if you're taking notes on this, I think there's probably a lot of things in here that are going to spark some people because it's right where they are developmentally. I think so. Right, right where they, I mean, how many, why do I listen to so many podcasts? Because that's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah, get, when you
1: find them, you know they're like they're. They, you have to listen to a lot of bullshit as well <laughs> to find the, to find those gems. But when you do, you're just like, whoa, this is. I have to. I can't do the two X on this. I got to do the one yeah. and a half. Or I gotta totally. The, I got to. That's down. what I'm
0: like with Duncan Trussell right now. I'm always slowing yeah, down yeah, yeah. Duncan Trussell's episode. I'm like, dude, this is deeper than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, he's, um, he's be but like, I I love that. I love the taking notes. I love the figuring the things out. And I'm and I'm realizing that, that I think there's a lot of teaching I want to do. You know, and the truth is, dude, if you could watch, you can watch any of my YouTube videos and their podcast episodes, any of them on any product, on any product, because I'm in dialogue, some more so than others, but there's something really fascinating going on in YouTube and in, in YouTube specifically, but in video in general, where you can really give someone an experience of what it's like to be with you. Right, it's totally doctored. It's totally artificial. It's totally uh, edited, and however you want it to appear. So you have a lot of creative firepower and choices in terms of how do you want this to come off. But the the thing is, video. Think about this: a good good part of a video that is like maybe it's really good. I do like twenty five minutes on on some some bag, and the last five minutes are typically me just spouting off on whatever's coming to mind and talking about stuff. It's really it's podcast stuff. And uh, in video, you can cut off that five minutes thing and put a little intro on top of it, and and now you've got a neat little five-minute video, mm-hmm. right, that has the potential to be shared around by by just bunches and bunches of people because it's really easy to send out a five-minute clip to a buddy, right? It's really easy to to send that out as a text, or, and that's what I'm doing all the time. It's like this Alan Watts clip or that Terrence McKenna bit or you know this Joe Rogan Paul Stamets thing about the stoned ape theory or whatever, right? It's like there's there's so much that I've gleaned from that like little fifteen minute segment of Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan. I've watched it several times, you know. Not some some of them high on mushrooms, (laughs) you know. But but it's it's a it's a fascinating thing the differences between these media's because in podcasts you're literally shoved into someone's head through their Earpods, and then they're just taking you wherever they're going. Yeah. And I love that too. You really don't need to be looking at me to understand what I'm saying. Right. And, and the same is true for all of us. So, I don't know. Your question, if you haven't tell, you can't tell. You've like, hit a nerve. Yeah. Like, I've, like when am I going to do something on this? What, like, is there something to do on this? I don't know. I'm kind of backing my way into it until it just ha- happens to be in front of me. Because I've got a lot of other stuff going on. And I don't want it to necessarily take me away from that. But at the same time, these are the, you know, what's scary about it, Harry, is, is that, like, I'd have to figure out what the fuck I'd want to say
1: the other side of that would be to, you know, just open up the door and just see what comes in that day. And because yeah. if you try to plan and you try to script and you say, well, i this is what's top of mind. Like, I don't know that you knew what you were going to talk about today. And you, you've talked about a lot of different stuff that was front of mind. <laughs> and the reason is because either I said something or it's, you know, something that you're feeling very passionately about. So you know maybe it's called yeah feeling very passionately podcast and you just like <laughs> <laughs> about something and it could be like the, the the thread count on your um on your latest back bulletproof backpack or something like that i don't yeah. know but yeah the, i think that having no rules is probably like the best thing about it because mm. then there's no excuse for you not just firing up the mic
0: yeah. I, I I like that too. I do like that a lot. Right now my favorite idea is the idea of having long, in-depth conversations, mm-hmm. adding them down to, you know, twenty to thirty minute bits. So it means every episode might have two like yeah. every long conversation might have two episodes and then the whole thing's available to Patreon subscribers. Mm right? So it's like the podcast feed is actually like the yeah. the distilled, diluted version, more topical. Yeah. And then the Patreon subscribers, they get the whole thing. And and like, I, I had an idea for doing a course where, okay, imagine a course where you, you get some topic where you find, let's say, seven other people who are experts in this topic. and And you can just have a conversation with them. And you record that conversation. And <laughs> so you have this, you know, three-hour conversation where you can hear the LaCroix opening and it's very low key. And But we're really talking about the thing that's, that matters in this topic. One of the, the products I was thinking of doing was like how to do like home entertainment really well. How to make cocktails for your guests that are like sexy and interesting, but they don't take a bunch of time and you don't have to have a whole liquor cabinet or something like that. Just a silly, stupid idea. That's something that in my life we've done a lot of and a lot of my friends have done a lot of. And I thought of getting everybody together to talk about what we've learned making a course from the the what we learned in that conversation, selling the course for like, you know, whatever 60 bucks or something like that. And then selling the recorded, like the little just whatever the three hour recording for like $399. (laughs) Because to me, I just wanted to make that statement that like, this is where the value is. Right? This is what all of that code that that course training comes from. Yeah. is actually the the lives of these men and women who have learned how to do this well have made a lifestyle and a practice out of uh, an art out of entertaining in their house and you can see it in the in the quality of the relationships and and, uh, and all the other stuff like the glassware they have in their house or whatever but the glassware is not the point <laughs> is not the point right and I love the idea of making someone pay more to to get something that's that's way less production oriented but way more like you know, Profound and in human oriented, yeah. In you that might have sense. something there. I like everything else, <laughs> I, I think I that's mean, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but try it, right? You could have. Well, I know. I, 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 wanted, to whole, <laughs> L20, <laughs> I wanted to
2: right? make a whole twenty, right?
0: I had, I had this whole idea, man. I, I was, I am still stoked on it, but it's years old at this point. Um, but you know what's cool about the digital world is we really have the opportunity to do whatever we want. Yeah, And what's amazing for where I'm sitting right now is my YouTube channel is engaged. It's growing. There's people who are interested in finding out how to live their best life. Now, mm-hmm. even if that means they're just trying to find the right, you know, tech sling for them to carry around every day. Um, but we're talking about these important things. There's something really fascinating about, I really, I see myself secretly. Don't tell anybody, Harry, nobody's listening to this, right? I tell myself secretly that I'm like a I'm like a uh that was a joke by the way nobody's listening to this <laughs> so. <laughs> sorry I'll the, I'll make the, 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 the uh I'm just mean that so like yeah you don't need to edit this out we're having these these conversations about products so someone's searching for a particular product and then they find a review on that that review happens to be by me mm-hmm. you know there's probably a couple other reviews out there but but I definitely have a review on that product mm-hmm. let's say for example. Now, they're interested in this product, which is a travel bag, like the Peak Designs travel bag, which is a little more expensive, so you want to do some research before you buy it, but it looks like it might be the best all-around option for you. So I take you into a 45-minute look into this bag where we're getting into every nook and cranny and we're opening every pocket and telling you how it was like to travel for me and yada, yada, yada. But all the time throughout, I'm mentioning like all sorts of offhand stuff just about my life and about the things that I've been thinking of it's this really interesting way of being where the search and the intent is, their intent to find out more about this bag, this particular product. And then like <laughs> then just kind of it's like cheese in the crust. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that's surprising. I didn't think I'd find something like rich and gooey yeah. and delicious in there, but it kind of was. Some people are find you know, they're allergic to cheese, so they're like, I actually can't watch this video. But <laughs> but other people, that's where I'm that's how I'm building my audience. I'm I'm making v- reviews of products. I see a lot of reviewers trying to answer all the questions and try not to get in the way and not be themselves as much as possible, right? Try in to create opposite. some fake fake brand for them. I'm like, dude, this i make this last as long as possible. I want to make sure I, the, all the focus is on answering your actual questions. But if it takes me five minutes to tell you why that's the wrong way of asking that question, I don't mind doing it. Right? Because you're going to walk away like people are constantly writing in. I can't tell you how many of your videos I watch and how actually helpful they've been at getting me to think more appropriately about what travel is. Mm. And I love that. Because travel is is like an LSD or an ayahuasca. It's, it's literally, we call it taking a trip, right? Yeah, You're going yeah, on a trip. Yeah. Travel knocks the barnacles off. Travel's is this great way for you to actually get in the world, see something completely different from your life, see all the potential and, and possibility in this new place because you don't know anything about its, its brokenness yet. Right. So you just get some inspiration. Then there's a whole other second part of travel where you actually learn about the brokenness of every place. Cause every place has this like profound brokenness in it. You know, mm. it's real like Mexico. You spend a lot of time on the coastal towns in Mexico. It's, it's not until you find you hear like an actual, you know, cartel situation story that you realize like, Oh shit, man, this touches lives down here. Yeah. That, that lady doesn't have a dad anymore. You know, it gets scary. Oh man! <laughs> well, I've talked us down into a into a pit. I think we should end it there. I guess.
1: <laughs> no, I think what's beautiful <laughs> is um, just opening it up and just seeing like where I love what I love about these conversations is like where we are in life and what you're doing um, and how you've you know you've changed and and what you're using to like as the as the input for you to color your life and your decisions and, and, and the fact that you're constantly searching and you're constantly curious and you're constantly experimenting, I think is, is really inspiring. And I, and I think that's why I vibe with you because I, I think that's how I look to live my life. And I think there's, mm. there's so much, you know, pre-packaged, like, like we need to do the 30 minute episode because that's, that's what life is about. And, you know, even like when you see the veggies, it's like, here's the perfect tomato, but then there's like the whole you know, heirloom and the misshapen ones and all that stuff, because that's literally like what nature creates. And so Mm, I think the more we can show that there's like no, there's no specific, we shouldn't be trying to fix, fit everything into these boxes. Mm. Like sometimes we need a burlap sack for this conversation, right? (laughs) Because that's just where it takes us. But I think it should, there's part, I think it should make people uncomfortable parts of it that like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, you know, like we were talking about with Jordan Peterson, right? So, yeah, I'm just I just appreciate you 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 just speaking what what's top of mind for you lately and and I think uh, I'd actually like to start having these conversations probably more often.
0: <laughs> I think we say that every time we talk. I love that you open up the the space just for actual conversation. I yeah. love I love that, you know. And, and And I don't think it's going to grow your show very much possibly, but maybe maybe, who knows the world is so backwards. I mean, like this is more authentic. This is more honest than the five P's of personal branding, which I could also have done. Right. But, but I, I also, I'm like you, like I, I get really interested in where people really are. And what's really going on, exactly. because I find that I have the tools in my life to look at my own life and, and to see where I'm at. The whole question is whether or not I'm actually going to look at my life or if I'm just going to avoid it. If I'm just going to go, ah, I'm really tired right now. Let's, let's like, you know, let's make a bowl of cereal and go watch some Netflix. By the way, trick of my life was learning how to do that. Right. One of the biggest tricks of my life was learning how to let myself just have a whole day for sweatpants, Netflix, chill, just being depressed, just being depressed. Like I'm depressive. I'm just being depressed. Right. Because uh, I found that in the depression, um, it wasn't very helpful to berate myself right? I just kind of had to reset. I had to totally reset till the next day and then wake up and start the next day differently. And, and then there's practices that slowly came into my life that like helped me prop myself up. But for anybody out there struggling with depression and anxiety, which is, uh, you know, according to the statistics, like what, like fucking like majority of the audience yeah, out there right it's now, um, it's just part of the human condition. It's not, It's it's like, why? Because, because we're afraid of, we're afraid of ending, right? We're afraid of this whole thing going away. We're afraid of making a terrible decision. We're afraid of painting ourselves into a corner with our lives. We're afraid of getting stuck with the wrong woman or or the right woman not wanting us. We're afraid of when things go right. We're afraid they might go wrong. When things go wrong, we're afraid they're never going to go right. Yeah. Right? There's just a lot to be concerned about. So for me, I found a lot in meditation, in uh, in just practicing the present moment. Ram Dass's experiments in truth audiobook was sensational for that. Really, really useful. Really liked his way of talking about things. I wear a Ram Dass hat just about every day now. It just says "Be here now." Mm. I want to get. I want to make one that looks exactly the same. It just says "We here now." <laughs> <laughs> just "We here now," or "Be here next" <laughs> with a question mark, <laughs> which I think would be good. Be there but, now. Uh, be be th- be there yesterday. Uh, be there then. To, the ability to make space for these kinds of honest conversations, I think, is is awesome. Here, I think, uh, I don't know how many of your episodes you get into stuff like this, but I think this is the this is where so many of us of us, at least, you know, thirty to fifty something year olds, you know, and I bet there's a lot of people older than that that'll be like, "Hey, me too," yeah. and probably some people younger than that that are like, "Hey, me too," right? Because for me, the most profound truth might be the fact that we don't know we don't know like we w- were monkeys that woke up on a space rock and we don't know we don't know how we got here we don't know uh you know we know the fa- like one of the things i heard a, a a teacher of mine say is he was like listen here's the deal chase the thing about every religion is none of them were created you know even maybe except for scientology and mormonism uh, until uh, no one none of them were created since the the development of our you know 4 billion years yeah. of a fossil record right 4 billion years of a fossil record this is called a canon in in the in the church scripture is is canonized. It is it is a canon. It is an authoritative text, right? Well, our fossil record is every bit as canonical oh, to yeah. it, Right? It's super, super authoritative. And I find that 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 that's where Joe Rogan spends a lot of time talking about being just a monkey. That's where a lot of the psychedelic people spend a lot of time talking about how like we were it looks a lot like it was our use of these over some certain period of time, these psychedelic substances, these mushrooms that are growing in these planes where we were prim- primarily living in, I'm not going to get into that whole thing because I don't know about the veracity of it, the stoned <laughs> ape theory, but look at the stoned ape theory. That well, just Paul keep asking
1: questions, right? Because-
0: Yeah, because I mean, we don't know. Yeah,
1: depending on which rabbit hole you want to chase based on this conversation. Uh, and if you want to talk to me about Star seeds and and alien races and all that stuff. Then I I'd, I'd be happy. To entertain <laughs> you
2: because...
0: See, that's right. I haven't gone all the way out there yet. I just haven't, except for Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger was was really good. I really liked that book. He was. If you haven't read that, dude, you have you read any Robert Anton no, Wilson? No, yeah. Okay, Cosmic Trigger, brother, put it on your list. It's just such a fun read. So fun. It's so entertaining. But his, his level of because what I'm what I'm messing with more than anything else is I'm messing with um, spirituality mysticism is based I mostly think of it as just like a mystic path right which is to say we're we're exploring the sort of unspeakable. The, mm-hmm. the, one of the things that William Blake talked about in, in the experience of psychedelics and stuff like that, and Aldous Huxley as well, it was this profound noetic sense, like this, this weird knowingness, like, a gro- like I'm grokking it, but I don't know exactly what I'm knowing or how I'm knowing it right? So Noetic, my friend Jared, who I live with in this house, has a great podcast called The Noetic Podcast. And, uh, and, and this, this quality of the liminal, the space in between, the, 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 the mystic is always a place that is beyond language's capabilities for communication, mm-hmm. right? So, so much of Alan Watts, le- Alan Watts' lectures are just rooted in telling you why you can't use words the way you think you can. Right, the words, it, and this is why John starts out his gospel with like, "In the beginning mm-hmm. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And it's this, it's this thing that we're doing when we're using words like this. Things that I love. I, I'm just a communicator. You're clearly a communicator, right? So many of us are verbal and communic. I imagine how many people are who are self-selecting for being interested in podcasts and such, listen- and, and thus listening to a show called Podcast Junkies or something <laughs> like that. Right? Are actually very verbal. Yeah. I really, I really like, they're good at processing auditory, just the sounds of words and the and the, the feel of different words and the way that people are communicating. I'm like that. I'm just wordy, dude. I'm not a painter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not an, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wordy motherfucker. I love it. I think they're like, it's like, it's, it's like movement. Using words is like moving through space for me. Well, that's right? why you
1: appreciate like good screenwriters, right? I, I don't know if you've watched, uh, yeah.
0: Williams? The, no, I haven't. It's, uh, no. Brian
1: Koppelman who wrote Rounders, and so the the writing is okay. really good. And, and obviously, it's um this is about hedge fund um, manager versus the attorney general, and they're like battling each other. And it's um who's the guy who did Sideways? Jeez, uh, I can't forget. Oh, him. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, great yeah. actor. And then this other English guy, Damien something but the writing is so good <laughs> and the, mm. uh, the stories are pretty interesting so i got sucked in after the first season so it's, it's really good what's too. it on uh showtime
0: okay it's show yeah time. take take look at I the gotta... first
1: couple i think uh you might find it interesting because it's kind of kind of that staccato like fast like smart yeah. movie, like writing and i was like oh this is kind of like totally. network yeah yeah so yeah yeah that's
0: cool. I like that, but i I don't know where I was getting at with the with the words thing and the
1: well, just this disappre- appreciation for i mean i I totally get you because it's like you could you could give five different people the same sentence to read, and they'll say it differently. but then there's when people have a command of the English language in a way that it just yeah, i mean
0: I, I know exactly what you mean like- i think this this command of the English language is is more like a command of what you're meaning to say yeah I think yeah. the this is this is like that four day revenant thing, which, by the way, the revenant and maybe it's the revenantprocess dot com. Mm-hmm. His company's called Blood and Ethos. If anybody's listening and you want to just get to the next level in your life, i highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's just so it's just think of it like running a marathon mm. except for you don't have to train. you do not have to train, and you're going to be sitting the, almost the whole time. And there's just gonna be a hard conversation. Yeah. that's it. And it's like the only hard thing is actually, having conversations. And, and, and honestly, after day one, it, it's, it starts getting easier. <laughs> <It's> always, <laughs> some parts get harder actually, but, but it's, it is so profoundly useful. The revenant com highly recommended. He's like my, he's like, you know, one of the things like honor your shaman, he's for sure. Mm. If there's some success in what I'm doing these days, he's for sure uh, a reason for that, because what he's done is he's helped me mm. to like his work. Interacting with his work has has taught me this 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 thing I I just kind of nailed when, accidentally when I was like it te- like people who have a command of what they mean to say mm-hmm. what do you mean to say yeah. that is where your being is. That is where your isness is, right? And you might think you need to say a lot of stuff, but as Hafiz says, the difference between what I think I want and what I actually want can be as far apart as heaven and hell, right? Yeah. Like it's like the biggest difference. Hafiz has this great poem. Here's like, you want to know all of the law of attraction and the uh, and and this sort of like the woo woo energetic world. It's all in this poem. Let's see if I can get it from memory. He says. When I go after what I think I want, all right? So when when I go after what I think I want, mm-hmm. right? My life is a furnace of distress and anxiety. This is when I'm going after what I think I want. Mm-hmm. Then he says, when I sit in my own place of patience, what I want flows to me. He says, when I no longer can get to it, it comes to me. It's like the things I'm wanting mm-hmm. are wanting me when I sit in my place of patience. Mm. And then the last stanza is like, there's a profound secret here for anyone who will listen to it. And there, if you remember that <laughs> that thing called the secret that your uncle probably <laughs> tried to give you at some point, right? It's all built on this. That, yeah. That's it. You got it. You got it. Not, like, like get like, you can see how something like that, when someone knows it, they'd want to make a platform about it and they'd want you to come to that message through them. And they, that the security of, like, uh, that their security in life will depend on making you think that they have something special that other people don't have, right? Yeah. And that is the birth of the New Age movement. That is the the criticism of the secret and and, and well-placed. Well, it, it was
1: a sort of a um, commoditization of the, what's known as the law of one which is mm. essentially... I know the law of one, yeah. yeah. Lots of t- and the law of attraction is literally just
0: like one of the, the laws. And so you have to kind of take it and put it in context. And, and But I like this so much because it, it focuses on, it helps us to look directly at our desire, right? So I had one season in life where I listened to a lot of Abraham Hicks on YouTube oh, yeah. and I loved that. Like totally got me, she got me up on my high flying disc, that's for sure. And if you don't know about Abraham Hicks, it's very, con- it's very <laughs> you know, like just let me just put it this way you, you you might you might find that it's triggering it has some taboo-y type of stuff in there going on for you right because this lady is apparently channeling the the consciousness of a group of entities that that are living in some astral realm or something like that but here's my here's the how it was put to me it was just like well i don't know much about that and i can't confirm nor deny but Here's what I can do is I can pay attention and see if it helps. Yeah, like, of here's course. one video to Just try out. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's what I did. And, and the message started working. Like I got into, I mean, I might've got in. I got into like a few months of like hardcore mania there because I was using the affirmations well. And I was like into, yeah. into desire, this place that I was totally, totally discrediting in myself. Yeah, yeah. Totally avoiding. Why? Because I'm afraid of being disappointed. We all are we know what that's like to want something and to not get it yeah. and to feel like, Oh, that's for them. Like the people like that, get that, you know, yeah, we all yeah, know yeah. what that's like. Yeah. We all know what that's like. And, and so focusing and working specifically with desire was a really, was a very interesting, really interesting time for me. And, and, what I saw in that is a lot of people thinking that what they desired is some, you know, wealth and affluence, some boat, some, in some Harbor somewhere, some, they didn't like, they didn't know, they didn't really know. And so they're just coming up with whatever ideas they have. Kind of like the enlightened person, just grabbing whatever's lying around and to say like, here's what, this is the thing that I'm wanting now. I'm wanting this, you know, when really I've found that, um, that the places where I have gotten the clearest about, what life is to me i've times been places around death hmm. right when i lost my son mm-hmm. that was a huge season of like grounding in in myself and really understanding like what the value of life is right for lack of a better term um in my grandpa passing, who is like the last of, of the the elders of my family. And now there's just the baby boomers. And it's like, Whoa, (laughs) what are we gonna do? These (laughs) kids are spoiled. But but, uh, but realizing, like, in these moments of of loss of actual ending, this is where the conversation about desire and meaning gets really, really interesting, and where it gets what I call grounded. Mm -hmm. All right it gets grounded. So if you go to my website matterful.co, you'll see the little logo is a pyramid, like a four-sided pyramid. Cuz I think it's just it, it like, you know, in, historically it's sort of this symbol of grounding out, making manifest, making into matter cosmic energy, right? Mm-hmm. A single point up at the top, oh, a single yeah. like this almost it's it's not even a thing that really exists, the single point, right? <laughs> it's like this this abstract but it's a single point at top and then it and it floats out, or it grounds down in all four directions, right? And it does so at a really wide, like really widely. So it's a very, very firm, solid, rooted thing. So for my, for my site, Matterful, which is really the symbol of of so much of what I care about in life, it's this idea of like how do we, how do we find. How do we ground down that cosmic energy and really root ourselves here? Because I didn't know this till I was a father that like it really, really, really matters whether I'm showing up or not mm-hmm.
2: here, you yeah. know,
0: not just for my own bank account or for whatever food, like what level of restaurant I get to go out to on the weekend or something or how many vacations I get in a year, but really for for the ways that my dad really mattered to me. You know, and the deficits that I felt there growing up, and the ways that I held that against him, um, and and one of the reasons, by the way, that I like psychedelics so much is because I find that they're pr- profound, at the uh, at in. It, interrupting the pattern of of your assumptions about your parents (laughs) Mm. and about you in relationship to your parents and all that old woundedness and all of that old stuff is where so much of your dialogue still is man you are still an infant and there's nothing wrong with that you want to be safe you want to be loved you want 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 and being in being in relationship with that is like how you how like sitting with that is actually how you make it manageable not by avoiding it, not by resisting it. Right. So, um, Anyways, I was bringing up my parents for a particular reason now I, I, I can't remember. But this is, you know, you said they can bring up rabbit holes in your mind, and there's a lot of rabbit holes in my mind, which we've been tumbling down for a <laughs> while, and I think we should probably settle up here. What's my tab, Harry?
1: Well, I think um, I think to your point, just continuing to ask like tough conversations about where you are in life and where the things are that you could... Like improve on is is important.
0: and the, the funny thing is is like it's like, dude, this is this is really well known in our speeches. like we really know how to get someone through growth. And the military is doing this all the time, but they're doing it with the perspective of like, we want a good soldier, right? Like I can't fault them for that, right? and if you and if if you really like the idea of defending your country because it, it's a really important job, Then that's all, or if you just don't have any other options, or is it a good option? Like that, but I'm in a situation where it's like I want to know about life, capital L, outside of the U.S., outside this planet, Mm -hmm. you know. But at least it is one that encompasses this whole planet, Mm -hmm. right? And and I find that that there's just a lot of things we know about how to do that. Like we know that that one of the reasons why I I'm glad I brought up Dan's revenant process because it's not like I planned on it or anything but it's one of the most profoundly effective tools for this uh, ever that i've ever found you do not need any drugs you don't need any preparation mm. right if you don't like it you can leave but he asked you to sit like to to commit to sitting through the whole thing because it is a process right it is a process it doesn't it's not like oh i liked day one but i didn't like it. it's like the whole thing ties together in in a profound way
1: i'll definitely be checking that um, out
0: Oh, it's, but like, that's like, that's the best product I've seen in my life at this point. Someone, for <laughs> forget. Yeah. Because I mean, think about, you know how many quotes, how many books that I mentioned in this conversation? Do you know how much self-guided learning, do you know, every course maker in the world knows that it's almost impossible to get someone to finish the damn course? Yeah right? Because online learning, MOOCs, massive online learning platforms, or whatever they're called. Um, same thing with with that masterclass, they can't get people to finish courses. They can they can, they just can't do it. They don't know how they're like, they're like, why aren't people finishing the courses is what it seems to be the the, the thing that's going on there. And it's happening in every course maker sort of stuff. That's why in fizzle, we would made the roadmap, which helps get people all the way through this stuff. And all of our courses are really, they're not courses, they're actions. They're worksheets with video explanations (laughs) because all of the work happens in the worksheet. And and when I ask you this question, and you write out the answer. The actual ink from your pen flows out. Now you're actually moving something and doing something and having to think through something right? But we know how to do this self-exploration stuff. We really do. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable with psychedelic plant medicine type of stuff. I am a huge fan of it, especially in smarter and smarter, like read uh, Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind for a really, really great grounding in, and what is the research really saying about this? Because it is literally fucking unprecedented. <laughs> it actually doesn't put it too strongly. It actually doesn't.
1: <laughs> well i think uh we do have to put a bow on it but i appreciate you take you like again coming on and uh just doing a Top of mind, flow, flow of content. doing
0: a chase, <laughs> doing a chase. <laughs> That's cool, dude. I'm I'm gracious for for you thinking of me. I'm, I'm I'm rooting for you, loving loving everything that uh, that you're doing, and the fact that you brought me on now for these handful of milestone episodes yeah. is really cool. It's like cool. I love I love being this with you. Yeah, and I I mean
1: I just I mean f- for those of you who are, if this is your first episode, then this is not. <laughs> then they'll, be, they'll it's, it should it'd be interesting if this was uh, someone's first podcast junkies episode. But I just want to
0: maybe. This is my first episode, Harry. Maybe that's what that's this true. is.
1: So, you know, I just, I just, it's just my way of uh, thanking you for taking a chance and being my number one guest, you know, on an unproven platform. Um, and so mm. I think it's, it's just a nice way to, to celebrate that. And, and I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Yeah, brother. So am I. 300, here it comes. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you.
1: So happy. I'm celebrating 200. So happy that Chase made it back for episode 200. And you can guess where you're going to hear him again. (laughs) We always joke that we're going to do this more frequently and then the years go by. And I guess I should just be grateful that we have the opportunity to spend this time together. So for sure, episode 300, Chase, you can put that one in your calendar. Thanks to all the sponsors who have been able to support this show and specifically, this, week, this episode's sponsor, Focusrite. I'm grateful for believing in the Podcast Junkies brand. And I'm grateful for my relationship with Focusrite and with Dan. And I look to grow that and connect with folks at Podcast Movement coming up as well. Stay tuned to next week's episode where I have a conversation with Leah Culver. She's the co-founder of Breaker Audio, otherwise known as the Breaker Podcast app. And I've been digging into the features of it, and I've tried so many, as you might imagine, uh, being the podcast junkie that I am. And while they're, they're I'm, I'm firmly in the Overcast app, the more I play with the Breaker podcast app, the more I see uh, some of the cool things that they're doing. And we talk about that during our conversation. Speaking of Breaker, we've partnered for Global Podcast Meetup Day. It's going to be Saturday, August 17th. Uh, As of the time of this recording, there may be still time to register, but if not, you can still play along at home, and you can head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash global meetup19. It's a fun way to have folks meet up in real life who are fans of Breaker, fans of Podcast Junkies, or just self-identify as a podcast junkie. I myself will be at Podcast Movement, so I'll definitely be meeting up with podcasters in real life and looking forward to sharing and seeing what some of the photos are for this first inaugural global podcast meetup day. I imagine there's going to be more of these, so stay tuned. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Special thanks to George for being along on this journey as well with me. Uh, I'm so grateful for him putting the music together. That's now become the signature sound of Podcast junkies. So again, thankful for that. If you made it this far, then you know the drill. New folks who just came in on this episode... This is the place where you hear the retention hashtag. It is Chase 200, hashtag Chase 200. And you can tag Chase at Chase underscore Reeves and myself at podcast underscore junkies. Again, guys and gals, thank you so much for your support of the show. It means everything to me. Share this episode, share this podcast with anyone who is a fan of podcasts and conversations with engaging podcasters. And I'll talk to you soon.